Welcome, everybody. Uh, season three of the Be More Kansas City podcast. I'm here with Justice Horn, uh, candidate for Jackson County Legislator. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, welcome, Justice. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. First question, just right out the gate, what is a legislator for Jackson County? Yeah, so what the first, thanks for having me. I think uh, it's really important that you're using your platform to get folks involved with local government. Um, but kind of to jump into it, kind of what the Jackson County Legislature is, uh, it is the legislative body of the county. So um, we're out of Jackson County. Uh, Jackson County is south of the river. So the county has your county executive, which is almost like your president, and it's Frank White, um, who's a well-known baseball player in the area. Um, and then you have then the legislative body, your legislature. So six in-district legislators, you split the county up in six districts, and then you have your three at-large, so you split the county up in three districts. So every resident has two legislators, an in-district and at-large, so it's a nine legislative body, uh, nine-member legislative body. Okay. So your county executive, legislature, county sheriff, county prosecutor, law enforcement body, um, but I'm running to represent Jackson County's first district and district, so it's the majority of it's Kansas City. Okay, and, and first district, so does it extend out to like Grand, well yeah, Jackson County's in Grandview, mm -hmm. um, okay. It's a very big county from Kansas City, Independence, Blue Springs, all the way to Oak Grove, Grand oh, no Valley. Kidding. It's a very big county. Okay, I had no idea Blue Springs mm -hmm. was in, the, in Jackson either. And so you're par uh, primarily in Kansas City then? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, uh, excellent. So what, why do you want to be a Jackson County legislator? Well, well you know, why the county uh, is, you know, I grew up thro throughout the county. You know, I grew up in Independence and in government housing in Hawker Heights. So I grew up in the middle of the county. And then during my early childhood, we move out to Green Valley. So Eastern Jack, it's more rural part. And then we'll come back and go to Blue Springs High School or, or suburbs of Jackson County and play football and earn a college scholarship to wrestle up in South Dakota. Nice. And then we'll come back in my adult life and live here in Kansas City. So I have a love and have lived all over the county, um, as well as, you know, my seat in particular would be the youngest legislator, you know, be the first person color sit in the seat, as well as, you know, the county doesn't make a lot of decisions, but it, they're very big decisions from your Jackson County Detention Center, moving out of the courthouses, local taxes, as well as, you know, uh, as a sports fan, county owns stadiums and sports teams. So when we talk about downtown baseball, the Chiefs and where they're going to move, the county's going to lead that conversation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. What is important to you? Um, what would you like to tackle first and foremost as a legislator? Yeah, so, you know, the first thing I would tackle would be our tax assessment. Um, it's out of whack. You know, I, we just have a, a tax code that is outpriced and increased and it's not been equitable. So making sure that we are, you know, having caps for freezing taxes and keeping folks in their homes. Um, folks don't also understand that you know, as a government, we should be doing everything we can to keep people in their homes because the homeless crisis will continue to be a problem if we don't, you know, keep folks in their homes as well as develop and create more uh, low-income housing and affordable housing. So that would be the number one issue as well as, you know, making sure that we are moving the county to be more of a place uh, of justice and not a place of oppression. A lot of folks who go to the county that's where you get your eviction notice when you go to court. That's where you pay your taxes. That's also where, you know, if you're brought in by law enforcement, that's your court date. Um, so it's been seen historically as a place of oppression and not justice. As well as, you know, we not only honor with one, but two statues, Andrew Jackson, 
um, at the courthouse, who was infamous for the trail of tears that drove indigenous people off their land, killed a lot of them, just to put black folks in chain on that same land. Um, so that's where we're at as a county. Okay, so there's a, a huge push. Um, I love the, I love everything that you just said, to be honest with you. Um, the first thing you mentioned was affordable housing, low income housing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I am a huge, obviously I loved, just said what, I loved what you just said. I don't need to expound upon that. What is the plan? How can you as a legislator, and I guess this might, this is, comes from my ignorance of what actually mm -hmm. um, legislators like completely do. How can you make that happen? Yeah, so um, I think when we look at the, the county and, and you know, it's that's normal too. A lot of folks don't understand what the county does because they have historically operated in the dark as well as you don't have a lot of turnover. You know, the guy who sits mm -hmm. in my seat, it's been there for 24 years. The guy who's been uh, to the South Kansas City and represent that seat has been there for 28 years. So you don't have a lot of, and our county executive is 82 years old. Oh my <laughs> so God. you have a lot of old heads Mm -hmm. there at the county but um, how you make affordable housing an issue is you know what we see is Kansas City, Independence, Lee Summit and Grain Valley are all having that conversation and it just needs to be a countywide initiative um, from that as well as our response to crime as well as our response to houselessness um, I personally think big problems need even bigger solutions and we can't oh we're gonna have a five-year plan or a ten-year plan to tackle because if it's bad now, we're going to beat a record next year, and record next year, and the same thing yeah. with houselessness and crime. We're going to break the record next year, and even our climate issues. We're going to break, keep breaking records, so it's like there needs to be some urgency with this, and I think taking it county level and bigger um, to swing at it, that's the only way we're going to even have any impact on it. What is the, how important is local government in how the United States runs? I think it's absolutely, it has more of an impact on your life, uh, especially cities. I mean, city is your sidewalks, um, your codes, as well as, you know, the county is how much taxes you pay on this property. And if you're a renter, how much your landlord pays on it, and it can usually translate over to the renters. So it's, you see it every day as well as, you know, how much taxes you're paying at your grocery store, what call quality of food you have there. Um, as well as, you know, your crime, your houselessness, you access to education. That's all local issues that are paid with local dollars. Okay. Um, so your uh, slogan, campaign mm -hmm. slogan, I'm not sure if that's the right term, um, equity, accountability, community. That's mm -hmm. the platform you're running on. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, I think those are all the pressing issues at the county. You know, okay. equity is, you know, it's not, the county has been operating in quality. And to say the issues of the urban core of Kansas City and the issues of the suburbs of Blue Springs and Lee Summit and the issues of Eastern Jackson County and rural Oak Grove and Green Valley it just is wild. That's not, it's not, that's not at all true. What equity is, is understanding that everyone needs a different response and different need because they're mm -hmm. in different places, but they still need a need. Okay. Um, so that's why, you know, equity comes into play as well as the tax system. Number two, accountability. You know, like you stated before, a lot of people don't know what the county does, um, and they operate in the darkness, and that's what creates a lot of corruption at the county. And there's a lot of corruption mm -hmm. at the county. You can just do simple, simple Google search, Jackson County scandals, and you see a lot of mismanagement funds arguing, and you know, our past county executive sitting in jail right now. So a lot of issues like that. So um, from accountability, making sure how, you know, as an activist, you know, I led the Black Lives Matter movement, 
I think the only way to have accountability is you create systems of accountability. We can't just say, oh, justice is there, so we don't need that. You want to create systems that are there just in case we have future bad eggs, and that's what you need to do. So accountability is making sure the, the meetings are on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. That's inaccessible to working class people. Number two, if you want to testify before the county legislature, you have to email the chair and they grant you that right. It's not just a right any citizen has. And then lastly, until here recently, they started live streaming the meetings and you would have to call in like it's a dial up and just listen to it all on the phone. And that's not, you know, that, that is gonna breed cor corruption. So I think basic accountability will be creating those systems of accountability. And then lastly, community. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Jackson County moving forward, but I think your big policies from tax code, detention centers, and even downtown baseball stadiums, those are, should be discussions led by the community with long community sessions, and we let them decide, not, you know, the Kansas City Star or big investors deciding what's good for our city. Community needs to lead those conversations. I couldn't agree more. We make the, I mean, we give them the revenue mm -hmm. to make all these decisions. I, yep. I agree with you 100%. Uh, how, so to piggyback off that, one, like, is, is the turnout a problem because of simply accountability, or is it also because, um, is there more to it such as uh, people aren't interested? Do you get that from, from young voters anyway, or people that are uh, yeah. coming up? Yeah, historically, yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, here in a couple of days on August 2nd, that'll be different um, because, you know, we just historically the party and leadership has given us older people and been like, aren't you excited? And we're like, excuse my language, no, we're not excited. It's like, they see, you know, me, I just turned 24 like two weeks ago. Okay. They see a young person, person of color, and someone who didn't come from money or politics. Like I was an activist and I still am an activist. And that excites people. You know, that's how you get local elections turnout out is you you have people who are interesting that you know look like them and come from their generation that's how you grew up the electorate and you know our regular county voters are democrats they're going to vote you know my way uh because they believe that you know black lives matter they believe that you know folks who are lgbtq should be able to live in the city they believe that women have autonomy over their bodies like and th those are your county voters too absolutely absolutely so to refer back to my uh, interview list, um, I kind of want to take it a little bit more, a um, little more serious. Uh, preface, I forgot to mention this, I apologize. August 2nd, vote. Um, can you expound upon a little bit um, how, like what it is that's happening on August 2nd? Yeah, so everyone um, who is registered to vote will be able to go to their polling place um, and vote. So. The best way to do that is to go to sos.missouri.gov. That's sos.mo.gov, G-O-V. You can look at your voter registration as well as your polling place so you know where you're going. Um, so that's what will be happening as well as there will be, you know, a couple of ballot initiatives. I think the only thing that's on the ballot is just the electeds. Okay. Um, I think marijuana will be on November's ballot as well as the issue to increase the Kansas City Police Department budget will be on that budget too. Really? That's yeah. very interesting. I didn't know that. So, switching gears, there was an issue that brought you into the news recently. You had your banner to face with a demeaning homophobic slur. 
Well, what was your initial feeling, firstly, uh, when you noticed that that had happened? Well, I think it's, you know, it's tough not to feel small because those, those words were used to me at, at, at an early age when I was bullied. Um, and it's hard not to be thrown back into that place. You know, that word's meant to cut you in half and put you down, and, you know? A lot of folks couldn't understand that who may not be a part of the community, but it's the same thing, like, as if someone called me the N-word today as a black man, it would still hurt me today the same way it would as a kid the first time it was thrown at me. And it's like, you know, it was used to not argue with me on the policies or, you know, if you don't like me, run against me or vote for my mm. opponents. I love that, um, yeah. But okay. it's just, you know, it's the same thing, like, oh, I'll wake up tomorrow and change that or I'll wake up tomorrow and not be black. Like, those are things you can't even argue. Um, so I thought it was highly unfair. And, you know, it's shown folks that, you know, things aren't as forward-thinking and hunky-dory as we think we are. And it's the same thing when we paint, painted the six uh, Black Lives Matter murals across Kansas City. Folks didn't think that was necessary, that it was over. And, you know, the one in Briarcliff immediately got defaced and was vandalized. So it's like things for proving our point why these issues are so important. I also think any type of progress isn't easy or would have been done already. Um, so, you know, getting pushed back and getting targeted and getting hated at. It's kind of part yeah. of it. Yeah. Huh? Man, that's tough. That's that's extremely unfortunate, but the way you handled all of that whole situation, I was tuned in the entire time, was admirable. Nothing yeah, but respect. It's, yeah, it's... I think the community will come out for whoever did this wrong. And they may have tried to take me down for one day, but... You're gonna have me as a legislator for four years. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah, Justice. Um, so, what did that tell you about the community that you want to work for? Mm -hmm. Well, it showed me that you know we still have work to do. You know, it's so more than just you know, and, and that's a lot of the issue is you know I personally work to try and get Kansas City to be who it wants to be because um, we say we're forward-thinking, welcoming city. But it's so much more than pride flags and Black Lives Matter signs. Yeah. It is actually passing policy that truly created an environment with Black Lives Matter. Uh, passing legislation that truly makes, you know, kiddos feel safe in their schools and, and feel that they're seen and welcome in their communities. Mm. So, you know, from personally helping create the LGBTQ commission to getting Juneteenth as a citywide holiday to, you know, climate emergency and, you know, Indigenous Peoples Day in Kansas City. You know, those are all things we've all said that makes a welcoming city, so pushing the city to actually be there. But it showed me, you know, it's so far from that, but, you know, we need representation. It's so much further from us to, you know, be allies, but I think we're now in the place where that firsthand experience of representation is so much more important now. Because, um, you know, we're in crazy times. It's mm -hmm. hard not to think the national conversation and even the state isn't going to bleed into our community. Yeah. It is. You know, that's what's going to happen. So, mm. you know, we need to stand strong against that and not continue to make things a new normal. And that's what my big story was, was that this was going to be normal for any person of color, young person, or poor person running that. This is normal. This is something you'll get when you run. It's not. So that's why I wanted to make it a bigger deal because what society does with mass shootings or anything, we try and heal and then move forward. We don't stop it, challenge it, and say no. We always try and create the new normal because it gets us back to being comfortable. Being uncomfortable is challenging 
and you know, making sure that that's not the new normal, and that's what we have to do. Because it was my banner, then it was a church, then it was a streetcar stop. I mean, what's next? Oh, really? Yeah. Are you hear about the streetcar stop? They had an all are welcome sign. Someone ripped it off and just vandalized it. And it's like that was just three things in one week. It's like we don't call it out and stop. What's next? And it just does that. It's just, that's how you you have to stop that. That's what you have to do. And representation, uh, you touched on. That was a perfect segue. Yeah. What? And it goes to, so if you were elected, you'd be the first queer person elected mm-hmm. to the legislation. Uh-huh. In terms of representation, why or why not is that important? Well, it's important because, you know, when you're, you know, in, in some way a trailblazer, you know, you represent way more than just your district. Um, you know, any issues that are going to become issues, which they will be, from, you know, the state legislature is probably going to try and target trans kids. And it's going to make that an issue, or Senate candidates are going to make that an issue. To even here locally, you know, you got school districts banning uh, any mention of the word gay, or you have in, in Grain Valley them banning safe space stickers, or an in independence banning books. Like it's, you know, we need way more than just activists. We need folks with political power and, and positional power who can fight that stuff. Because, you know, that's how you keep and oppress people down is when they don't have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. And you know, I tell people that all the time. We're not at the table, we're on the menu. And this year, in politics, our community is on the menu. You know, folks are get this weird itch about targeting trans kids and trans athletes when, you know, Misha, I was a college football player, um, I mean, a high school football player, Misha, but there's only like six trans kids in the entire state. And it's like, one, that's not an issue, and two, you know, the farmer who's suffering in rural Missouri isn't like, Dang Nabbit and trans swimmers, why I can't get any you know revenue on my farm? It's it hurts all of us, and it's not an issue. Mm. And it's political, and it's you know that representation is important not only for us to defend ourselves, but too to fend off the the BS when people want to make an issue of that it's not it's not an issue. Okay. So, who do you look up to? I would say uh, my parents. Parents probably talk to my mom twice a day um, why is that i'm just uh she's made me into who i am today and they've made a lot of you know sacrifices for me and you know i i you know even their story is what i want for every kid you know, i grew up in independence and government housing and you know they could have kept us there but my mom worked her tail off and got us into the, the burbs and you know that's you know it's created so many opportunities for me not only to go to college and have a scholarship and even, you know, work in government and be a candidate for office. And it's like, if I was still there in independence in that environment, you know, I probably would have had a completely different life. And I understand that. And that's, you know, something I want for every kid um, because it's tough to say and it's honest, but you are a product of your environment. And that's, kids shouldn't just have that life just because of the world they're born in. And, you know, we should try and change that and make opportunities for every kid at all levels of, or in the Burbs and Eastern Jacks County and the Urban Core. A hundred percent agree. We need to back each other up. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all Kansas Cityans. And if I've been saying this, I've been thinking this, if we claim to be for Kansas City, that includes every single person in Kansas City, in the Metro, mm-hmm. that includes everybody. So, Yeah. How important is forgiveness for you? 
I think, you know, it, it's important, you know, for me as an individual because, you know, I always ask myself and pray about it. You know, I don't want to be bitter and this world is going to try and make you bitter. You know, there's just so many crazy things happening. It seems like there's shootings every day. Climate's out of control. You know, it's things are crazy. And yeah. forgiveness is understanding, one, that people may act a certain way towards you because you don't know their story, and two, forgiveness is the only way you keep yourself sane. Um, so I think it's absolutely important to heal uh, because it's a process of healing because our world's in the process of hurting with a lot of things so I think that's really the only it's important because it's the only really remedy we have for a lot of things that are can create harm to you as well as you know there's just a lot going on yeah. and for us to hold on to things and get bitter and be angry and this is you know on both sides of the political spectrum too just doesn't help it's you know and, and I learned this in the activist space you, even if you're on the right side, want to keep everything at a low boil. When you escalate things, it's out of, you can't control that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how you continue to become a part of the escalations when you hold on to things, you get angry, you get bitter, you want to win and they lose. And, and if you operate with that, even if you're right, it's not constant back and forth and that's how the temperature rises yeah 100% I mean some have to, like you said being on the right side like mm -hmm. sometimes people just want to see the person lose which yeah. is it just is kind of productive and it, and it just doesn't help I mean it's it makes folks think that there's a battle and it yeah. also shows and creates what happened to me where folks think advancement is a de-advancement of them it creates the mm -hmm. environment we have and it's also why you know, it's just doing the work and it's simple. And, you know, probably because my upbringing of not having just grown up in the urban core or Eastern Jack, but like a lot of the legislative things I've helped done with Juneteenth, you know, a lot of our Northland city council members were not a fan of it or didn't get it. Or some of our South town, South Kansas city reps didn't like it. But what I did was I did the work and sat down with them, explained why this is important. So they didn't feel that, you know, although I, I knew I had the votes, um, I could have just legislated and I'd be like, I won, you lost. But a lot of these things get better um, acceptance in the community when everyone feels they're part of it. So I did the work mm -hmm. to make sure it was unanimous. Uh, Juneteenth, mm -hmm. unanimous. Climate emergency, unanimous. And you get votes from Northland, Southland, East and West of Truce, and folks will move the needle when they feel like they were part of it. Then, you know, there are... 12 city council people and I have seven votes and just passing it and I win, you lose. Folks don't like that. And they'll get you back another time. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> you don't want to create enemies and it's, yeah. you know, when folks feel like they're part of it and you do the work, you bring them along, even if they disagree, they're not going to, they're going to be your allies in the future. 100%. Did you notice how, was it difficult to get them to get the naysayers to sway or no, was it's it? just it's just understanding their 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 perspective because you even have mm. you know Northland council folks who you know there's Kevin O'Neill who's a big union guy or Dan Fowler a big ally and and they just have limited experience and you can't hold that against people uh, and and make them feel bad about that because they can't change where they grew up or change you know what school they went to as a kid so you just meet them where they're at and you know empathize with that and move them to where they should be at you know. It's, you know, 
not on them that we have an education system that didn't want to recognize Juneteenth or that it was a day when the last slave was freed and they think, you know, because they just weren't taught that in school and I shouldn't hold that against them because that's not, you know, anything that was in their power. So mm -hmm. getting them there that this is a day that recognized the last slave and bondage in, in Texas and they finally got it like, wow, I should be on the right side of it because it's slavery. It's like, but it's, I can't think, say Juneteenth and I'm automatically think folks know what I'm talking about. And it's because of the mm. current situation we're in. So again, it goes back to doing the work to bring people oh, there. Man, I love it. I love you, Justice. This is, I, <laughs> you're an incredible person, man. So in terms of switching it to policy to, to, to wrap this up. A tax assessment hall, the tax assessment hall, what was that, and um, huh? is that something that's going to happen often? Yeah, yeah, so um, it ended yesterday, and what we're going to do is put out a policy plan for what we would introduce um, on day one um, if I was nice. elected to overhaul the tax assessment. But, you know, on the greater side, it's, you know, meant to be an example on how, because I personally believe how you campaign is how you govern, and, you know, I could be like, oh, I have these many degrees, and I know what I'm talking about and not have anyone who has real world experience come forward and share their thoughts. Um, and we've had that. We've had politicians who thought for communities, not listen to communities. So why we did that is because, you know, if you're lock and step with the community, that policy is more, 10 times more impactful because it's exactly what the community needs. Um, because, you know, again, in activist work, I've learned that if you're not moving as a collective, even if your intentions are pure of heart, and it's not centering those voices who are disproportionately affected, you can actually do harm to that community, even if your intentions are right. So that's why it's important to move with the community. So why those tax assessment town halls are important is because it gave folks who have real world experience, you know, who could come forward and craft this policy because that's who it's impacting, it's their policy. So mm. that's why we did that. And it was an example of how I plan to govern on everything from tax assessment, detention center, and you know and, and downtown stadiums we should have six or seven community forums which i know are going to be packed across the city yeah. no doubt about that yeah. <laughs> everybody's involved yeah. in that conversation yeah. so it's, it's just stuff like that and it's folks want to be part of the conversation yeah and we should want them it's their yeah. their community we're about to drop a stadium and are thinking of doing so no doubt i love it uh so in terms of a a, a policy plan that you've got um I've got here, you would like to see uh, the gender identity of an individual uh -huh. um, to be placed in uh, detention centers uh -huh. rather than their assigned yeah. at birth uh -huh. Uh -huh. identity. Why is that well, well, important? And, and that's a very, um, it's kind of in the weeds policy, but what we've seen is the detention centers we're building today are already single stall facilities so really the the idea of having single stall women or or men's ward just doesn't make any sense one detention center um so i think having that as well as it's created a lot of risk for folks you know folks who've been trans or have uh, been more aligned with their birth certificate rather than their identity today you know a lot of those folks have been placed in those wards and been murdered so it's just just even procedural it doesn't make any sense because as a detention center, we're supposed to detain people humanely. And then number two, we have the infrastructure for us to do it already. I mean, there's single stall facilities and it's just us changing an internal policy and, and doing that. And you know, for folks who, and we did at the city, 
for folks who get all weird about it, it's like your your bathroom at home is all gender. It's not anything <laughs> crazy. Interesting. You're like your bathroom yeah. at home doesn't have a men or women sign. It's one stall, and it's. <laughs> when you put it like that, it's yeah. like it's it's another way to think about it. Uh-huh. It's just a different perspective. Yeah. It's very interesting. Now, but the, I I think you kind of touched on it a little bit. There are some people that might say um, it would create more violence mm-hmm. against trans individuals uh-huh. or or different identifying individuals. Yeah. Uh-huh. What would you say to that? For the for the individual that um, it was assigned male and identifies themselves as female and they're placed into a female detention or vice versa, um, so one might argue that there might be more violence pressed upon uh, these individuals um, that identify differently than they're assigned. Well, well I, I think you know per state statute, our only obligation as a county is to detain people humanely, and if we know that per data, when we do that, it leads to folks getting murdered, that is on us. I mean, we're not even, I mean, having our obligation as a county to detain folks, as well as, you know, that goes into another issue. You know, the Jackson County Detention Center isn't a jail. Why folks are there is because they're detained. And, you know, if you know anything about cash bail, it makes it a crime to be poor. These folks are brought up on nonviolent marijuana cases or brought up from a traffic thing and don't have any money. You know, if I was put up in a police car, I couldn't put together, you can't even pay with cash, you can't even pay with card, it's all cash. So cash bail bond of like $15,000, I couldn't put that together. Uh-huh. I would not probably sit in the detention center like all of them and it makes it a crime to be poor. Mm-hmm. So again, 80% per the Kansas City bail, bail bond fund, 80% of those in the detention center are not even charged, they're detainees. It's not a jail that have been charged. So again, that even you know further validates that it's our duty to take care of these folks. You're not even charged, not criminals. You're innocent until you're proven guilty. And what usually happens is it's filled with young men who, who are not able to pay the cash bond. Um, so it's, you know, we'll always have a detention center. I believe that because we need to take folks who are disruptors of communities, people who are pedophiles, who are shooters, who are, you know, not good for the community. We'll always have that, but the majority of our jail is so jam-packed with folks who are there because of cash bail. That's why people get wild. to run wild, and people need to understand, why can't we just throw them all in there? It's, it's already maxed capacity, okay. and we can't actually put in shooters and folks who are disrupting communities because it's filled with folks who are, can't pay cash bail. Okay. And you are, so just so I get this clear, you don't even, like, it's not even the detention center's job to worry about gender. It's, it's, is that where you're coming from, kind of? like? Well, it, it's our job to worry about that, to take care of them. Oh, I see, if yeah. If we know that we're putting them in harm's way, like, we should know that. I mean, there's plenty of data, and it's public knowledge that folks have, you know, done that. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be, you know, updated there. You know, they've had COVID outbreaks, mold outbreaks. You know, guards who were just stabbed, and it's like it's not a good place for anyone there. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah. kidding. That's pretty obvious <laughs> when you put it like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Justice, you've been uh, putting signs up the past couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're re- rearing up to the election. A couple more day, a couple what, week and a half at this point. Uh-huh. Um, how can somebody buy a sign to place out in front? Well, they could just go to justiceform.com. And you can see everything there, and I think it's the third um, slot on the main page. You can just buy a sign and put it out. 
Excellent. Yeah. And you know what I respect about you is you showed up and you don't, you don't really don't give a shit how you look. Yeah. It's all policy. It's all <laughs> who you are. I love that. Um, I'm not trying to be a politician. I'm trying to be like your bro that happens to be in the legislature. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can tell. Is. I love it so much, Justin. Uh, I just love that. Um, because I wasn't expecting that. You know, I was expecting suit, tie, no, ready I, to go and, and turn yeah, it I just on. That's why people like me. Because I'm not, I don't stick up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, that's about wraps it up, Justice. Y'all, again, August 2nd, very important day. Uh, like Justice was just talking about, local government has way more of an effect than federal law probably ever would. Uh, this is your home you should pay attention more to laws, I think anyway, uh, that happen in your home that are being uh, passed in your home than worry about what's going on nationally. It's give and take. I just, you know, you should worry about national too, but not as much as local if you were to get involved. August 2nd, find your polling place. Uh, what was the website, Justice? SOS.Missouri.gov. SOS.Missouri.gov. Uh, Check it out. Register. You got to get registered first. Um, and then you can find Justice Horn at uh, just Justice, Justice Horn. Horn. Yeah. At Justice Horn uh, on Instagram everywhere. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, you got a very unique name. It's probably nobody's ever got taken it ever, right? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, if, if they do, then too bad. You got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at Justice Horn everywhere. Uh, follow him. Uh, he, you post all the time, so it's really easy to keep up with you. Um, Anything else you'd like to say before we cut off? No, no. I, I, and even to that point, you know, again, how you campaign is how you govern. You know, I want folks to know I'm going to be at everything. As well as, like, if you want to press me on things, like, you can comment under things and say anything. <laughs> and be like, I don't like your policy. I don't like how you voted this. And, you know, I'm not scared. Of that. I've never been scared of this community. And that's how you create accountability mm-hmm. is, you know, creating systems accountability. And, you know, social media, I know it's kind of annoying, but, you know, we... we meet every portion of the community where they're at because of that. Some folks may just have Facebook. Some folks who are younger may just have Instagram. Some folks are just on Twitter to see the updates and it's it's how it should be. Yeah. We should be accessible. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Thanks, y'all. Uh, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts at Be More Kansas City uh, or go to bemoreventures.org and just check us out and see what we're doing. We're ramping up a lot uh, now that... Uh, We've got another studio, so keep up with us. Thanks. Thanks, Justice. Thanks. Man, I love you, bro. You're fucking